we're in a series and the series is called Lord Help Me. You ever felt like that? Lord Help Me. You ever looked at your, your bank account and thought, Lord Help Me. You ever looked at something and thought, my God, help me. And if you have, welcome to the club. The Lord help me club. We're not here because we have it all together. We're not here because we know everything. We're not here because we're perfect. We're here because we need help. And it's okay to need help. And if you don't think that you need help, that's the sign that you really need help. Came to church thinking, I'm fine. I don't need a thing. I'm good. I'm good. That's the sign that you actually need help. God gives grace to the humble, but He resists the proud. So we're going we're gonna to get help today. It's going to be good. We're going to get help from a guy called the Holy Spirit. And today's subtitle is Be Refreshed. Be refreshed. Can everyone say that? Say one, two, three, say, be refreshed. I was thinking about this, that being refreshed isn't so much about uh, what's happening around me as it is about what's happening in me. Anyone ever been on a holiday? Been on a holiday? I've been on holidays, like great holidays, like amazing holidays. Been on the holiday come back from the holiday more worried and stressed than when I left to go on the holiday. So just because you go on a holiday doesn't mean you're going to be refreshed. Just because you pay money to go and have an experience that apparently is going to make you feel better doesn't mean you will. Just because you bought that new pair of jeans, hello, doesn't mean you're going to suddenly feel better on the inside. How do I get refreshed? God, help me. I'm tired, weary. I feel like I'm stuck. How do I find refreshment? And I got good news for you today, that you can find refreshment from a well that's not around you, but that's in you. You can find a well of healing that lives in you. You can find a well of freedom that lives in you, you can find a well, and His name is Jesus. Isaiah 40 to 31 says this, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. The key to refreshment is God's presence. But I don't know if you've ever felt like, man, I, I can't feel God's presence. Have you ever felt like that? You know, it's, it's okay. You don't have to put your head up. I have. You ever felt like that? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I get it, pastor. Yeah, awesome. Worship. Woohoo. But I can't feel God right now. And if you've ever felt like that, that's okay. But I want you to know that just because you can't feel God's presence doesn't mean He's not present. And I want to present to you today that possibly 
it's less about getting God's presence and it's more about mine. Am I present in His presence? Because He is an ever-present help. He is omnipresent, meaning He's everywhere, in everything, all the time. So if I'm having trouble feeling and experiencing God's presence, is it that He's not present? Or is it maybe that I need to step into a new place of being present? where I can experience God's presence. That's what I wanna talk to you about today, being present in His presence. So Lord, speak to us. We worship you today. We thank you that you're good. We thank you for your word. Thank you that it comes alive in our hearts today. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you thank Paulus? He's doing such a good job. Okay, so being, being present in God's presence, you know, because we live in a distracted world, don't we? Right? Come on, talk to me this morning, don't we? Like, like, it's, like, like there's so many things on. There, there's so many options. There's so many distractions. There's, there's screens. Who has an iPhone? Amen. Amen. Who, who has a Samsung? We'll pray for you at the end. Who, who has? There's screens everywhere. iPads, computers, TVs. I mean, there's constant things to grab your attention. I mean, I mean your attention could be just split all day long. It's that easy. It's so easy. Like sometimes I'll be watching sport reading a book and talking to my wife, you know, and she's not happy about it, yeah. I, I, I just like having so many things going on, but, but we live in a distracted world. And we can easily bring our distraction and overlay it onto our relationship with God, wondering why, why is it not working? Why can't I connect? But could it be that we're distracted? Um, um, Here's, here's what you say, the, the devil, you know the devil? I mean, don't worry about the devil. God's good, the devil's bad, but we win. Let's go. So the devil, he's over there and he's annoying and whatever. He, he realizes that he really can't destroy you. He can't, he, he can't get to you. And this is good news. If you have Jesus, you're good. If you have God in your life, he really can't destroy you, but he really doesn't like you. So he'll still try and do something to get you, you know, like just get at you. And what he does and what he will allow in our lives is if he can't destroy you, what he'll do is he'll just distract you. Because if you're distracted from the most important thing in your life, he knows that you won't have any power. And he will, he will watch you self-destruct because he just had to distract you. It's destruction by distraction. And we are self-destructing, but I think it's because we're distracted. I, I think we're distracted from what really matters. There's this great scripture in Daniel 11 verse 32. It says, those who know their God will be strong and do exploits. 
carry out great exploits. Okay, okay, okay. So know, be, do. No, be, do. No, be, do. A lot of Christianity comes around the idea that I, I do stuff for God and, and what I do shapes who I am. And now because of who I am, this is what I know. But that is a frail and weak and fragile way to live out your Christian walk. You are not a human doing. Hello, you're a human being. And so God wants to shape not what you do, but who you are. So God says, no, be, do. That order, not the other way. First, I know God. And because of what I know about God and how I'm made in His image and I get closer to God and and this is not about a religion, but it's about a relationship. And as I start to know God, that shapes who I am. And because I'm made in His image, not in the image of what you said about me. No, I'm not made in what you said. I'm not made in what I did. That's not the image. I wasn't made in that image. I'm made in the image of God. Come on. I'm, I'm made in the image of a God who is big, who is strong, who is able, who will refresh you. That's who I'm made in. And so when I start to know God, I will then become strong. And because I'm strong, I'll do great exploits. You don't even need to worry about what you're going to do when you know God. If, if you know God, you will. Oh, you just wait. You will do great things. Like if you spend time with Jesus, you can't help but change the world around you. If you really, if you really do, if you're really present in His presence, watch what can happen through your life. But this is why the, the devil, the enemy, wants to distract you. Because he knows if that you can know God, if you can be close to God, he has nothing he can do about you. But if he can distract you from knowing God, distract you from relationship with God, then he can get into your world. So the devil, he wants to distract us. And, and he'll use, he's crazy, like he'll use, he'll use good things to distract you. He'll, he'll use things that aren't bad. He'll use things that are even good. And, and, and it'll be easy to excuse and look at this as a good thing. But is it the most important thing? I think, I think, I think there are many things that could be good. But what is important? What is most important? Like, like when I'm organizing my calendar and my schedule, I have to constantly ask myself this. This is good. This would be a good thing to do. But is it important? Is it, is it the thing? 
What is my focus? I mean, it would be good to go and do that, and it would be good to say yes to that. And that would be lovely to go to that, and it would be really nice to be at that. And it would be awesome to go to this, and it would be lovely to be at that. And I wish I could do this, and I wish I could do that. But if I did everything, if everything is important, nothing is important. So I have to prioritize. I have to make a call and say, I will be present at this. Of anything I'm going to be present in, I'm going to make sure I'm present in His presence. Because it's in that place that God shapes me. It's in that place that God refreshes me. So I want to take you to a story. Exodus chapter 33, 1 to 17. And it says this. It's a little bit of reading. So I want you to keep up with me. Lean in. And yell at me if you like. Here we go. Then the Lord said to Moses, leave this place, you and the people you brought up out of Egypt. Go up to the land. I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, Mozibites, all of them, all y'all. I'll get rid of them all. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you. What? God says, I will not go with you because you are stiff-necked people. Woo! That's a bad day when God calls you that. (laughs) I like you, but you're stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. God was so over these people. He was so fed up with these complaining people. He was so annoyed. He, He said, you know what? I can't even go because I might just destroy you. I might just take you out. And so so when the people heard these distressing words, that's distressing, they began to mourn and no one put on any ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, tell the Israelites, you are stiff-necked people. If I were to go to you, even for a moment, I might destroy you. Now take off your ornaments and I'll decide what to do with you. So the Israelites stripped off their Ornaments, not all clothing, we hope, but just the ornaments at Mount Horeb. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp, and whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances of their tents. It's like tent city, you know, just intense. It was a really intense time to be alive, watching Moses until he entered the tent. And as Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud, the pillar of cloud is really a shadow of what was to come. That is the Holy Spirit who would dwell among us. The pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshipped, eat at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Wow. Note this, note this. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Just just remember that. Joshua lingered at the tent. He was Moses' sidekick, his little Padawan, his little Jedi in training. 
this on the left. And, and Joshua lingered in the tent. And then it goes on, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people. And I'm trying, God, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, God, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Come on, God. Remember that this nation is your people. This is your fault. <laughs> Don't say that to God. The Lord replied, my presence, all right, my presence, okay, my presence will go with you. It'll go with you and I'll give you rest because God's presence and his rest cohabitate. You need rest. It means you need his presence. You need to be refreshed. It means you need his presence. You don't need more religion. You don't need more tradition. You don't need seven steps from buzzfeed.com on how to fix your life. You need the presence of God. Until you get the presence, your soul will never find rest. Until you get the presence of God, you'll be looking to empty places all your life, even in church. You need the presence of a living God. Then Moses said to God, Hey God, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Present in his presence. Moses has a dilemma. Moses has been working his whole life and, and has gone through a lot to get the people out of Egypt. They are out, they're free and they are on the journey to the promised land. God said, leave Egypt and I'm gonna give you a promised land. It's flowing with milk and honey. You're gonna love it. Who loves milk? Who loves honey? Amen. So it's flowing with that. Okay. So they're on their way to the promised land. And as they're going to the promised land, things start to get crazy. And God starts to say, you know what? You guys, I'm out. They had a complaining spirit. Do you know one of the quickest ways to step away from God's presence is to be a complainer. A complaining spirit will always lead you away from God's presence. And so God says that because they keep complaining, because they're entitled, I'm stepping back. But do you know what one of the most attractive things to God's presence is? Thankfulness, gratitude. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for every mother. I'm thankful for every beautiful woman here today. I'm thankful for God. I'm thankful for my church. I'm thankful. And it draws the presence of God. This does not, but this does. When I'm thankful, when I'm grateful, when my posture is one of thankfulness. God is attracted. And so Moses has this dilemma because they've been trying to get to the promised land for a long time. But now God says, you can have the promise, but you can't have my presence. Moses, 
has invested a lot for the promise. But now God is going to withhold his presence. And Moses says, what am I going to do? I've told everybody we're going to the promised land. If I, if I don't deliver on my promise, if, if I don't have the promise, I'm a failure. But Moses had a different way of looking at it. He valued God's presence over God's promise. So much so he would lay down the promise of God to keep a hold of the presence of God. And this is what I'm trying to tell you is that sometimes the things of God that are good and you think are good, they are not more important than God's presence. Being right is not more important than God's presence. Knowing everything about everything is not more important than knowing God's presence. And Moses is an example today to us of what is important. He chose to be present in God's presence over having presence in the promise. I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying my best. He would rather be near to God than be near to what God said he'd have. Because I think he knew something. I think he knew that the greatest reward in life is not what God can do for me. The greatest thing about God is God. The greatest thing about your Christian life is not what you do, but who you know, that you know Jesus. That is the most satisfying, fulfilling thing. Nothing will fill that place in your life than God's presence. So Moses said, God, you can keep the promise. Keep it. I want your presence. I got two quick thoughts for you. Two quick thoughts. How do we stay present in God's presence? Two quick thoughts. First, repent regularly. Number two, wait frequently. Okay, so when you hear this word repent, everyone goes, oh. It's like, like kind of this angry Christian word, you know? Repent, repent. The guy's veins are popping and he's on the streets. I repent. And he's just angry for some reason and hates everybody for some reason. Repent. That's not God. God is not in heaven going, repent. God's saying, come on. God is saying, hey, over here. Hey, 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 bro. Hey, girl, I'm over here. Hey, 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 hey. Oh, hey, oh, oh, hey, oh, yeah, yeah, over here. Repentance means to turn. It's like this, like, like I'm going this way, you know. And repentance is just to turn and go the other way. That's what repentance is. When did we get so spiritual and weird about it? Just walk, repent it, walking this way. Oh, I'm going the other way. That's what, that was quite good, wasn't it? Yeah. My mum's a dancer. Um, <laughs> repentance is when I turn back to God. Repentance is not a one time thing, repentance is a lifestyle. 
This is good. Repentance is a lifestyle. Man, I repent on the daily. And some of us need to learn to get good with repenting daily. What am I doing when I repent? I'm just turning back. We drift really easy. You know, we get pulled into things and we get distracted. But when I get distracted, I'm a repent and just turn the other way. And I go a little off and then I, I turn back and come back to God. That's why you need to be in church every weekend to be reminded of God. That's why you need to be in connect group. That's why you need to read your Bible. That's why you need to have a relationship with God because it reminds you of what is important and to be present in His presence. And so we need to repent regularly. What did Moses do? He repented. He said, God, I'm sorry. I'm gonna turn back to you. You know what's amazing about it? As soon as he turned back, God said, let's go. Like God is chucking a tantrum in heaven. I'm not going, you're all annoying, you're complaining, I'm sick of you. God would be way more powerful than that. But and then and then Moses repents, says, Oh God, I'm sorry. You know what? We want your presence more than your promise. So forget the promise. We'll just have you here in the desert. And that'll be better than any promised land without you. The new job without God's presence will have no power in your life. The new relationship without God's presence will have no power in your life. You can have the new thing, but if you don't have God's presence, the new thing will become old real quick. And so he repented. And as soon as he repented, God said, okay, let's go to the promise and I'm coming. Repentance is the doorway into God's presence. And so I need to repent regularly. I just need to turn. Just turn. Just everybody get good at turning. You know, just do some Pilates and practice on your turning. Turn back to God. Repent regularly. There's this great scripture. I'll find it for you. Where is it? It says this. It says this awesome thing. Acts 3.19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. In verse 14 in Exodus 33, it says, The Lord replied, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Rest for your soul is in God's presence. Number two thought, and I'm nearly done, is wait frequently. Repent regularly. Wait frequently. Repent regularly. Wait frequently. In verse 11, it says, Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses would meet with God regularly, frequently, all the time. And his sidekick Joshua would come for the journey. And Joshua was smart because he knew where to be. He knew how to position his life. Anyone like soccer? Anyone like soccer? Like soccer? Yeah, come on, Liverpool, um, Arsenal, 
Um, Chelsea, boo. Okay, so I love soccer. I, just, I love it. I'm a midfielder. Middle of the field. Midfielder. We have things called strikers, you know, the attacker. And they are lazy, not like us midfielders. We run everywhere and they just sit up the front waiting for the ball. <laughs> Kick it to me. I'm in the box. What are you doing? I don't know, running. <laughs> the striker is always in the box ready to score the goal. The thing about them is their job is all about positioning. It's all about positioning. They need to know where to be, when to be there. And a striker will be very effective at their job if they learn how to be present at the right time. Joshua, he wasn't a midfielder. He was a striker. He knew how to linger and and not do much running. <laughs> but he knew how to stay in the right place at the right time. He knew how to follow Moses and whenever Moses would get up and go, I'm going to meet with God, which was very frequently, Joshua would watch Moses get up to meet with God. He said, I'm a coming too. And he would follow. And Moses would go and meet with God and God would speak to him face to face. And there was Joshua right next to him. And this young aide would stay. And Moses would leave, but Joshua would linger. And this young man, Joshua, teenager, lingered in God's presence. And he learned to worship. And he learned to wait. And in waiting, God formed him. In waiting, God used him to bring the people of God into the promised land. Who was it that led the army to take down Jericho? Joshua. Who was it that killed the giants? Joshua. Who was it? It was the guy who learned how to wait frequently. Bam, get up here, you can help me. Wait frequently. And by waiting... We start to get filled. What you wait for, you get filled with. If you stand under a waterfall, you're gonna get water all over you. If, if you if you plug into an electric socket, you're gonna get power. What you connect to, what you wait for, you get filled with. Have we been waiting on too much Netflix? And then we get filled up with Netflix and wondering why Netflix isn't bringing me the joy I need when my job goes square, when my job goes crazy, wondering why Netflix isn't bringing me the power I need, wondering why that person isn't giving me the thing I need. Have we been waiting on the wrong things? As we wait on God, we will be filled with the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that happens when you're filled with the Holy Spirit is you get a gift on the inside of you that strengthens your relationship with God. That is the gift of speaking in tongues. And when I start to speak in tongues, it starts to strengthen my spirit and my connection with God. So, one more minute. Speaking in tongues sounds weird. It does. 
but it is simply a heavenly language that enables my spirit to connect with the spirit of God. If I want to talk to someone in Italian, I go to the Italian and I start to try and talk to them in Italian, but I, I speak English, we will be able to communicate at a level. There'll be some level of understanding, but if I can learn to speak fluent Italian and speak to an Italian in Italian, I mean, we can still have relationship without it, but when I get it, my connection goes to a new level. My relationship goes to a new level. My, 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 my feeling of transaction goes to a new level. And so you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that your relationship can go to a new level. And I'm praying that you would be filled with God today. If you want prayer after the service, come and, come and see the team. The Connect Group leaders, coaches will be down here. We'd love to pray with you. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, never spoken in tongues, never had that gift, we'd love to pray with you. But that gift is so that I can connect with God. So I can know God, be strong, and do great exploits. Can you bow your heads, close your eyes? God, we want to be present in your presence. 